And on Mind Matters, it's a free clinic this morning with Dr. Philip George, consultant psychiatrist. Good morning, Dr. Philip. Good morning, Charles. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, but things aren't so great for Sham. She's written in via our DG Lightline, and she says, My husband finally confessed after three painful years that he is in love with someone else and wants to marry her. In those three years, he constantly denied the affair and has humiliated me on different occasions. And now he insists on a quick divorce so that he can go on with his life, marry this woman. I feel devastated, not only for the betrayal, but that um, I should have influenced him somehow to change his mind had I known about this sooner. Is this my thought process? Is my thought process right? And this is from Sham. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the thing is, when you lose trust with someone in a relationship, sometimes you go through a whole gamut of feelings and emotions. And some of those feelings and emotions can be quite inappropriate. For example, guilt. You know, I don't think you have to blame yourself for his, you know, actions and decision to lie to you, to, you know, to do this behind your back and deny it when you confronted him. And I don't think you could have done anything different. So, uh, yeah, the important thing is to take away the you in the whole process. You're not the one who's done wrong. Your partner has. And it's now about how are you going to cope. So focus on yourself. How are you going to deal with this? And, you know, what are the processes that you need? You will need a lot of support. So look at family and close friends. <coughs> look at if you have children. I think it's important to get them to understand, you know, what's going on and, you know, how this will all pan out and, Make sure that they know that both of you are still going to be involved in their lives. Yeah, so I think you have a lot more to, to be concerned about rather than regret and focusing on the past. At this point, Dr. Phil, is there any real reason to try and convince this per- partner to stay? Well, if he's already asked for divorce, it sounds like he's pretty much made his decision. Right. And I think, you know, there's a big trust issue here because for three years he's been doing this and, you know, he's lied to you so... I think even if you stay, there's going to be, you know, that trauma of whether that relationship's going to go through the same thing again. Uh, so I think that's going to be considered really, really very carefully. But I would say it's more important to focus on yourself and your children, if you have children, and building yourself to move forward and, you know, get through this as well. All right. I hope that answers your question, Sham. Of course, uh, the number, if you would like to leave a WhatsApp message is on our DG Line line is 0165108888. Otherwise, give us a call on 0395433333. That's our line. And um, our next caller says she's burnt out and is clueless about how to deal with this burnout, which I think is now a mental disease, isn't it, Dr. Philip? Yes, yes, it's been declared as a mental condition. We'll be looking at that one next here on Light. And on our Mind Matters free clinic this morning, consultant psychiatrist from IMU, Dr. Philip George. And uh, we had a voice note on our DG Lightline from Rita. So, Doctor, I am burnt out at work. I practically go back home really late and I stay alone. So every time I think about work, I'm just so depressed and I don't know what to do. And um, whenever I think about leaving this job, uh, I know that I don't have much options outside. So I'm really clueless. I really don't know what to do. Well, it seems that Rita has a very common uh, ailment. Yeah, A lot of people I've speak to also feel this way, uh, Dr. Philip. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, burnout now has been declared as a mental illness as well. You know, we used to have this clear demarcation between mental health and mental illness, and mental health were the things that we go through every day. You know, anger, frustration. But some people go through burnout that persists and lasts for a period of time, which interferes with their day-to-day life, and that then becomes something that needs to be addressed. Interventions need to be put in. It's not just a mental health issue anymore. It is actually an illness. So, yeah, I think what Rita is going through is, you know, you've got the Yerkes-Dotson curve. Um, that's a famous curve that actually des- describes how stress and performance are linked. And when our stress levels increase, our performance increases as well. But then we all have an optimum level. And once we go beyond the optimum level, that's when burnout, fatigue, and all the other problems that come about because of increased stress, like hypertension, diabetes, cancers, depression, and anxiety, all of that gets triggered by us not controlling how much stress that we have. So I think it's important for Rita to you know, start to do an audit. Look at what are the things that are actually at a workplace stressing her out. You know, there may be things like simple little things that she can delegate or maybe things that she can, you know, maybe put off to another day or, you know, start working on a time management sort of schedule. Ensure that you have also a decent work-life balance. Coming back late every day is doing no good to you, to your work efficiency, and it's definitely going to affect your health, mental health and physical health as well. Right. So I really think you need to do a full audit on where you're at with this whole thing. Okay, what would a vacation um, help or is this just delaying the inevitable? Well, you know, sometimes with burnout, it actually sort of triggers off depression as well. So you need to identify, do you also have negative feelings of yourself, of your future? Do you also have sleep and appetite problems and energy problems? Because all of this might actually then suggest that you are gone on beyond burnout to actually maybe depression. And then interventions will be really important to help you to get back on track again. All right. When we come back, we'll be addressing Raj's question about the law of attraction that is up next here on Light. It's a Mind Matters Free Clinic with Dr. Philip George. And uh, Raj had a question, a very interesting one. Okay, so uh, recently I've been reading a lot about law of attraction. So how does this actually work? Because you got to stay positive always, but I don't think, I don't see that to be happening all the time, you see. Sometimes you lose hope and you become uh, totally uh, in a negative mood. So how do you keep positive in a daily manner? I think there are two questions here. One is how to stay positive all the time and if that's even feasible. And number two is what is the law? of attraction and how does it work in this instance? Actually, with staying positive, it's impossible to stay positive all the time. We do go through ups and downs, but the important thing is to identify which side are you most often towards. Are you a more positive person or are you maybe more negative in your outlook? So, Alan Beck actually suggested that there are two types of people. There's the one that has negative evaluations of themselves, of their future, of the environment. And they actually attract negative things, negative health issues, Mm -hmm. negative people, and negative outcomes as well. So that's a little bit about the law of attraction. The more, you know, the theme that you typically have for most of your life, for most of the way that you deal with things, is also going to attract things that are 
similar to that team as well. And then you have the people who are more positive thinking. And, you know, then they will attract people or things or, you know, events that are more positive as well. As well. And this has actually been researched even quite recently. They've actually looked at, you know, how people who are more positive can actually, you know, have better outcomes in their work output, have promotion, have better relationships as well. So I think the important thing is first to understand that we are in charge of how we think and perceive things. And if we find that we are typically most of the time negative, sometimes we might not be able to identify it, but others may. And, you know, they may say, you're a pretty negative person. Then it's important for us to think about, well, maybe I need to do something about this. I can't be negative all the time. But you can't be positive all the time as well. You need to find a balance. You know, you need to learn how to maybe change your mindset. That's something we call cognitive therapy. Mm-hmm. It's challenging your perception to actually make you rethink things so that they become more positive for you as well. All right. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, I'm a big, uh, I guess, uh, pupil of the law of attraction. It's uh, always interesting to see things and how they manifest in your life, isn't it? No, absolutely. I think, you know, we see this, especially when people get diagnosed with a serious illness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's hard to be positive during the time, but if they actually take something out of that and, you know, maybe try and be, you know, maybe try and push themselves to try and get better, and look for more support, they end up having better outcomes. Well, coming up, Joseph has a question about how uh, he should proceed. This involves um, a current girlfriend and an ex-girlfriend. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Well, we'll address his problem next here on Light. On our Mind Matters Free Clinic, we've got Dr. Philip George, and um, Joe had a very interesting love problem. I broke up with my ex-girlfriend about 10 years ago. She was the love of my life and recently we caught up. But the problem is, I'm with someone else at the moment. And since we caught up, I can't help but think of getting back together with uh, my ex-girlfriend and try to make it work. I'm really confused and obviously I'm not sure what I should do and how I should act. Uh, Can you please give me some advice? Okay, Dr. Love, (laughs) what do you think? I don't think I fit that description. Mm-hmm. But I think Joe's got to be fair to these two women in his life right now. He can't be leading up, leading them, you know, and then you know deciding to drop one of them later. So he's got to be really transparent and honest where he stands with this relationship. He's also got to explore what was the reason that he broke up 10 years ago. Because, you know, there must have been something significant to have to break up with the love of your life, as he calls it. You know, and if he's prepared for something like that to happen in future, then yeah, maybe he can explore this re-relationship again. But otherwise, I think it's important for him to take note, I mean, uh, take stock and decide uh, what if this happens again. A, a good way of actually making decisions is actually doing a balance sheet. What's the good of going down, you know, maybe trying to pursue this relationship all over again? And what's the bad? And I think by doing that and maybe discussing it with, you know, some of your best pals or somebody you can trust, a family member, then you get a better bird's eye view of the whole issue and you can make a decision much, much more clearer. All right. Well, I hope you do just that, Joe. And coming up, Mike has a problem about the loss of zest and enthusiasm in his life. Uh, I think a lot of people feel that way as well. So we'll address Mike's problem next here on Light.
on Mind Matters is a free clinic today with Dr. Philip George. And uh, here is a question from Mike. I feel like recently I've lost all passion and, and zest for life. And I don't know, I'm just going about my day like a robot. How do I get out of this, this flood? I, I, I don't like feeling this way. Okay, so Dr. Phil, I think a lot of people feel like this every once in a while. What are your thoughts? I think if it's interfering with your day-to-day life, it's something quite serious. I would like to identify if there are other associated symptoms. Like, you know, people have poor motivation and just no interest in things. But when it's associated with sleep problems, appetite problems, and you know, negative thoughts, and difficulty in focus and concentration, and maybe even thoughts of not wanting to live, then may actually be major depression. And I think it's important to maybe consider getting an assessment by a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Uh, even if it's just a motivation issue, then seeing a psychologist or a counselor will be really helpful to help you to build that up again. But the thing is, most people, when they have depression, you know, focus on the one symptom that may be prominent for their mind. But in actual fact, if they look closer, they may actually have a combination of symptoms, which is why depression is a syndrome, mm-hmm. and it has many symptoms that are coming together to actually interfere with a person's day-to-day life. So an, an assessment would be a, a good thing for Mike? Absolutely, yes. Oh. I think that there's no shame in actually seeing a mental health specialist. The sooner you get that assessed, and the better you understand yourself and know what interventions are appropriate, I think, you know, the better quality of life you have. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Philip. It's been um, an interesting set of questions this morning on um, our Mind Matters Free Clinic. Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you.